Oh, and welcome to the B-Team Podcast. My name is John Macy. Tonight, I am joined by Milos. Hello? Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can now. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, forgive the... Forgive. Oh, I didn't hear it. Okay. Yeah. yeah um, I'm here. Yeah, okay. So, uh, and we will hopefully be joined at some point tonight by Brendan Krauss. Um, we are here to review uh, Oppenheimer, uh, directed by Christopher Nolan, and starring a lot of people. I'm going to try to... I don't have a list in front of me, but I'm going to try to go off the top of my head. Uh, Killian Murphy, Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh, Josh Hartnett, Casey Affleck, Rami Malek, Kenneth Branagh, um, some other folks, probably. Um, pretty good cast here. And this obviously is the, the three-hour uh, historical biopic of the life of... Well, it's not really his whole life, but the... Uh, Parts of major it. major part of the life of J. Robert J. Robert Oppenheimer, the man who developed the atomic the atomic bomb, um, based on the uh, I think that's Brendan. Okay, based like on it. the on the Pulitzer Prize winning biography American Prometheus by was it Kai Bird, and I think it had a co writer whose name I don't know. Um, Brendan should know. Yeah, who wrote the book, man? Hello. Can you guys hear me? Hello. Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, who wrote American Prometheus? Do you know that off the top of your head? It was Kai Bird and Martin uh, Sherwin, I believe. It's the co-author's name. Okay. I, uh, I am going to read it. I did buy it. I don't want to read it right now but i'm going at some point in the next few months i'm going to read it and uh we will have a discussion after that um so yeah this is the latest uh christopher nolan film um i i mean we normally talk about you know where we are with or what what drove us to to go to certain movies particularly with the theatrical experiences um i think in this case what i'm going to do is talk about you know, Nolan's filmography to an extent. I mean, I, I may forget some stuff, but uh, I mean, my first exposure to Nolan was probably Batman. Um, Cause I think, I think I saw Memento after Batman. Cause I just didn't like, I saw the stuff for Memento, but I didn't really get what it was. And I didn't, you know, there's no, at that time, at least for me, there was no particular actor involved in that where I was like, I have to go see that right now. Um, so, right. I, so his first thing that I saw was probably Batman, and then after Batman, I I made a point to see everything he did. Like I loved Insomnia, uh, I really liked Inception a lot. Uh, I I'm a huge fan of The Prestige still to this day. Um, you know, Dark Knight is a classic. Uh, Dark Knight Rises, not so much, um, but I. <laughs> But I haven't seen that one in a couple of years, and I'm not sure if my opinion would change at all. Um, so, and then we also I'm, have. I'm a firm believer that Dark Knight Rises has a better storyline than Dark Knight. Dark Knight just has better acting. Interesting. Yeah, that that would be interesting. We should do that trilogy someday. They might even be worth separate oh, yeah. shows. Even like I, I think. Yeah, I mean, 
three movies out of it. I think each one we could do a separate show on, but yeah. Um, And then uh, I I remember going to see Interstellar in theaters uh, and enjoying it kind of. I just had trouble connecting with that one, I think, in some ways. And we'll we'll talk about how I kind of generally had that problem with a lot of Nolan's movies. And this and Oppenheimer kind of corrected that for me. But my biggest problem with Interstellar was I remember going to the movie theater to see this, right? And um, you remember the big scene where McConaughey's finally explaining, like, all the theory behind it, like, towards the end? Yeah. Yeah. The theater we were in... Some theater employee comes in and starts yelling for people in the theater because somebody had their car parked in a fire lane. So oh, I mi- I missed the entire explanation of the movie because some guy had to move a Honda Civic. Man, that'll remove it for you. Yeah, and I haven't wow. actually watched it again since that, but I do own the Blu-ray, and I'm planning on watching it again at some point. And then uh, was there anything between that and Tenet? Or no, Dunkirk. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I liked I liked Dunkirk well enough. I would have liked it more if I could have understood a single word anyone said. Um, <laughs> but uh, and then Tenet, Tenet, I Tenet, I enjoyed, but I still don't really understand it. Um, I've only seen it once. I intend to go back and look at it again down the road. I think that's most people with that movie. <laughs> Yeah, Dude, I mean, I, I don't know. Not, I don't I know what I, I I said this before. I don't know what I enjoyed more with Tenet, really watching the movie or watching the faces of the people watching the movie and you don't understand what's going on. It's like it didn't make any sense to me. Well, I gotta say, I knew I was I knew I was fucked with Tenet even before I saw it because a coworker of mine and I'm gonna she probably will never hear this, but I'm gonna shout out hi Anna. Um, <laughs> Uh, she went and thought before I did, and uh, we had a whole discussion about how, like, oh, no, it makes sense if you read this giant thing that this, I think Kai Bird was a consultant on that movie for him. And oh, really? she's like, it, like, it makes sense if you read this whole big giant thing this PhD wrote beforehand. I'm like, oh, no, homework for a movie? No. no. Um, and then I watched it, and, like, the first hour I didn't understand a single word. And then a, a, an hour in, I, I finally turned on the subtitles because I didn't get anything that was going on. Um, but I did enjoy it. I liked the concept a lot. I just am not sure I entirely understand the concept of it. Um, so that's kind of where I am with Nolan. And my and you know, I do think he's, I do think he has done things in recent years. At least the the way that he pushed for Tenet to be marketed and some of the statements he made at the time, probably not great, but I do get that he doesn't, he no longer deal with Warner brothers. Cause he was pissed off about how they dealt with that. This, um, this movie wasn't WB. Yeah. Yeah. This was universal, right? Yep. Okay. And I bet they're kicking themselves now. Uh, oh, yeah. in the box office. Yeah. Definitely. Although isn't Barbie Warner brothers. And didn't, I had read something today that they intentionally put Barbie out when they did to try to bury this. It did not work. In fact, it I, you can't fact bury all, all data suggested actually helped. I don't know if you guys saw this yeah. Oppenheimer opening weekend, 6% of its ticket sales came from people who went to see Barbie, but it was sold out. Oh yeah. Oh, and plus, I, mean, I they, think they, were, they usually work. Like when you put out big movies together, it was always like 
how they're gonna try to outdo each other, but it's like, yeah, but same time, if you go to the movies, you wanna see one of them, and it'll die, you're gonna go see another one, because you're already there, might as well, huh? I also think, too, I'm not somebody who's going to talk about this to any great degree because I haven't seen Barbie. I will at some point in the future because my wife is interested in it, so I'm sure I'll sit through it. Um, but I think the Barbenheimer campaign had to help oh, that, yeah. too. And like, oh, and like, like absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, like, people openly encouraging people to go see both. Like, I yeah. mean... Yeah. And I think there were probably people doing that. I don't know to what extent you could find out what what the percentages on that were, but I definitely think that was Dude, a thing. My, my brother and my brother sister did it. They watched Barbie and then watched Oppenheimer. One after Not another. Boris, right? Because no, Boris no, wouldn't go to Boris. Barbie. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Um, made him, he would. Okay, because I was going to say, he doesn't even want to watch the fucking Strange New Worlds musical. There's no way he's going to Barbie. <laughs> No, no, uh, other brother, other brother. Okay. Yeah, Barbie and then Oppenheimer right after it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And no. if anyone's thinking of doing that, definitely see Barbie first. <laughs> yeah, I would think. Yeah. If I did that in reverse order, I think I'd need a nap about halfway through Barbie. <laughs> Just because. Um, yeah, so this is. Um, Oppenheimer is a three hour historical biopic um as we mentioned in the earlier breakdown uh lots of lots of great casting here there there were people i didn't even like i didn't make a i made a point to have not necessarily avoid but i didn't spend a lot of time looking at like cast lists and stuff for this because i knew a lot of people were in this and i kind of wanted to be surprised by people you know like i like i knew i knew obviously killian murphy was in it i knew robert downey jr was in it it was pretty hard if you saw any ads for it not to see Emily Blunt. And I was aware that Florence Pugh was in it because you can't go anywhere on any of the news aggregator websites where you wouldn't see some article where they talked about the fact that she got naked in this movie. Like, <laughs> you know, if you follow her at all, she's been flaunting it out for a while. She showed up yeah. a couple of, I think last year she showed up at some event somewhere and she was wearing like a see-through dress. And, he, and they made it a thing, and she was like, you know what? Screw you. From now on, every time I show up somewhere, I'm going to flaunt my breast out. Yeah. And every man everywhere ever said, please, and thank you. Yeah, I can't say I would complain <laughs> like, about that too much. Um, of course. Okay. Like, you got so, to be stupid, man. So, I don't... Uh, this is one of those ones where, I mean, I'm not entirely sure how we want to go through the plot, because it's obviously... Nolan's typical thing that he does things in non-chronological order. Um, so, I mean, I think the the best way I can approach this is just to say that this is, it's not a movie about Oppenheimer's whole life. Um, oh, I forgot. We should talk about your guys' Nolan perspectives, too. Uh, Milos. Uh, so, The Prestige was the first Nolan thing that I ever watched. And I loved it from the get-go. I saw it, and I think I immediately rewatched it. That's how oh, much yeah, I liked it. Oh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of that one, too. And yeah. then I had the very uh, inception. I was in actually visiting relatives in Serbia, and me and my cousin went and saw Inception in the theater. Wow. Uh, Dark Knight, I didn't see in a the theater. 
and I had a very strange relationship with the uh, actually yeah uh, actually yeah so Dark Knight <laughs> I didn't see in the theater because mm. uh, because of the death of Heath Ledger the movie got so overhyped I yeah. waited a year before seeing Dark Knight. Because I would have seen had, it anyway, but that certainly helped. Like, no, I was gonna see it anyways, but it's like yeah. I had Batman Begin Begins. I didn't see in theaters, but Dark Knight. I was like, I really wanted to, but it's like he it got so overhyped. I was like, you know what? I'm not touching this movie until the hype dies down. I think I waited yeah. about a year before seeing it. Yeah. I absolutely yeah. loved it. I mean, every one of his movies I love. Interstellar, like. Enjoyed every frame of it. Dunkirk as well. Tenant, absolutely. Like to me, he never made a bad movie. Like I love all of his stuff. I certainly but. think it's arguable. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have the. I would at least argue that he doesn't have the. You know, most directors, actors, writers, any anyone in this industry, you know, tends to have peaks and valleys at times. And I would say his floor is way higher than a lot of other directors is whether you like oh, yeah. individual yeah. whether you like individual like if, movies if more pick, than if others you pick or not. His worst movie it's yeah. still better than a lot of people's like best movie. And I certainly, and I Go ahead. I was going to say certainly the uh I'd say highest floor for like minimum box office of any director working. Yeah. Exactly. And I I just think like with the with the filmography he has, like I don't think and I even don't even think like if you asked individual people what your least favorite movie of his is, like I don't think there's any one consensus either. I think it just comes down to like personal taste. Like I oh, feel, yeah. like for me it's probably Dunkirk, which I still like, but I mean I just compared to the other stuff he's done, I prefer the sci fi stuff more. I prefer the the Batman stuff more, you know, and that's not to say that I don't think Dunkirk has value because it certainly does. Um, but I think just for me by default, it's that one just based on my personal interests. Um, this for my own reasons might be my favorite movie of his. Uh, but we'll talk about that as we get into it. And Brendan, what's, what are your general thoughts on as we call him Bravo Nolan? Yeah. <laughs> Bravo Nolan. Um, like most, I first, met him via the batman movies um and then you know from there i i think i yeah i've seen all of his movies you know when they came out in the theaters went back and watched you know following insomnia memento prestige um i think for a lot of people in my age range he is definitely one of the guys who got us more interested in movies like in a deeper level um like Late early no yeah early 2010s late 2000s I would have said he's my favorite director ever Dark Knight's my favorite movie of all time no question um, and I give him massive credit for you know getting me just way more interested in movies in general. However, over the years, it's not that I dislike his movies now, but you know tastes change, people change, and I find I like his movies a lot less in general. Um, like for example, Dark Knight. You know, probably 2010 would have said favorite movie of all time. No question. Five out of five. Now, you know, is it in my top 100 favorite movies? I, I don't have it in my top favorite 100 movies. And is it a five out of five still? No, it's more like a four out of five. But again, I still really like it. Um, and, you know, 
like Inception probably would have said like five out of five back in the day. Now more like a four out of five. Um, same same with pretty much all. I I will say though the one I did not like Batman Begins, or sorry Dark Knight Rises. I have come to appreciate so much more over the years. And I is it a better than Batman Begins? No, but do I enjoy it more and would rather watch it? Absolutely. Uh, you know I'll be honest. Following and Insomnia, I kind of don't like. Um, following is like one of those you know it's his first film. You know it's. And if you watch it, it's a movie made with basically no budget. Um, Insomnia just doesn't really grab me. Uh, Memento and Prestige I both really like. Um, Interstellar, it's a movie I want to like, but I, I just don't. I think it has a great, great first half. But the second half stuff, just and finale, just really loses me. Uh, huh. Well, Dunkirk I really liked. I would have said probably my favorite. And then Tenet, kind of like you, John, it doesn't really make sense. But I feel like it's one of those ones where Nolan's like, don't pay attention to the story, just vibe with me. We're having fun here, ladies and gentlemen. And it was one of those, you know, people for years that said he should do James Bond next. And I was like, oh, no. Watching Tenet, I was like, okay. I would now be open to him doing James Bond if it's going to be like this fun as time where he's just having the, you know, lead just do all kinds of cool shit throughout the movie. Yeah, the only thing the only thing I would think that would prevent him from doing that, and I, I wonder if this is why he hasn't been offered this yet, is because I'm sure he would like he's not gonna come in like if he's gonna do it, he's gonna do it now, where they don't have somebody already cast as Bond, like because he's gonna you know, if he's gonna do one of these movies, he's gonna wanna cast his own Bond. So yeah, like, and just beyond that complete Creative control is a must. Yep, which I'm sure that which I'm sure they which, would. You know, would they be willing to give that? Who knows? Um, I think they. I think he's probably the only director they would. Uh, if I had, to, I mean, and I, I don't know what um, the, the broccoli family's minds are, but my guess is, man, if you ask that, if I you would say to, I just really appreciate Nolan's dedication to film in general. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, you. you you mean the physical? I feel a lot of education. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. That's so, so I'm kind of trying to talk about the in a very small group fighting to keep the old ways alive. Yep, and Tarantino would probably be in there as well, and he just went away. Okay. Oh, there he is. Okay. All right, so I guess we'll try to go through the plot of this to some degree. Basically, what I'm going to do, rather than you know what we would normally do, where we kind of go through a movie in order, because it just kind of, and I'm going to be very general because we can talk about you know point aspects and points of certain things. Uh, this is basically about the life of J. Robert Opp J. Robert Oppenheimer for a couple of years between basically from when he's recruited to the Manhattan Project to the um, initial testing at the Trinity site, and then the stuff afterwards where he uh, his security clearance is challenged because they believe him to be a communist. Um, and that's basically the whole movie. And I mean, and you also get a lot of his, you know, the stuff in his personal life going on at that time, his relationship with his wife, Kitty, played by Emily Blunt, 
and the affair that he had with uh, Gene Tatlock, played by Florence Pugh. Um, so, yeah, I mean, am I missing anything significant? I mean, there's the whole thing with the Robert Downey Jr. guy, uh, Strauss, or, Strauss. or however the hell he... I, he pronounced it Strauss, Strauss. To be a, just to be a dick, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. That was kind of my I thought, too. I realized that. But, yeah. I, uh... And when I saw it, I knew Robert Downey Jr. was in it, but I, for some reason, thought he was playing Einstein. Like, I thought his role was way smaller than it was. And, uh... When he first showed up as Strauss, I was like, wow, he either got really old really quick or they have some pretty decent makeup on him right now. Uh, but he was excellent as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and this kind of jumps around a bit. So the stuff at the stuff at Princeton, was that after the test? That's what I couldn't figure out. Which uh, well, there's there's a few scenes at Princeton. What, doesn't what, it begin, what like specifically? Doesn't it begin with him at Princeton with the run-in with Einstein, and isn't that after the test? Yes. Yeah. Okay. See, I thought going in because I don't know the exact order of events going into this. Like I thought that was, I thought he was working there when he gets recruited to do the to go to the Manhattan Project, and then then he went back after it was over with. So I guess yeah. that. Yeah, and that'll all um, going off that, John. I'll say, you know, I guess general thoughts would be, you know, I liked the movie. Um, you know, it's another, like I said, the highest grade I've ever given a Nolan movie is four out of five. I'd probably say this is another uh, four out of five. I, I really liked it, but mm-hmm. probably my biggest uh, negative, I thought the editing in the first hour was. Just a little too all over the place for my personal liking. Um, Because like you said, that opening scene, when it first started playing, I also thought it was before the Manhattan Project. It wasn't until like a few other scenes play out that I realized, oh, that actually Um, took place before. Um, I'm so stupid, I didn't realize until the very end that all the stuff at Princeton was after the test. (laughs) Because... When they show him actually having that conversation with Einstein, I was like, fuck, that means he's already done it when yeah. he's here. Okay. Um, but yeah, the yeah, editing in the first hour was, uh, it, I, I was thinking like, I, I was really not liking the edit. I was like, oh, fuck, I'm not going to like this movie at all if the whole thing's like this. But I felt once he went on the camping trip with his brother and I'm forgetting the, the other person's name, the Damon editing was really, there. yes, the, the editing really slowed down. And I, I was like, oh, thank God. Because, I mean, in, in that first, like, 40 to an hour, it is like, you are, like, jumping all over the place. And I felt like scenes just didn't have quite enough time to to marinate. Yeah. Um, but but after that, I was like, okay, this is a lot, a lot better. Yeah. I mean, and I just, I mean, for me, and, you know, not to not to give up what my general thoughts are on this before we really get into it all that much, but I... I absolutely love this movie. This was probably the best thing I've seen all year. Um, and for me, this would be, I mean, I'm not, I don't, we've all talked about this. We do Oscar prediction shows and stuff, or we have in the past, uh, but I don't put a lot of weight into that. But if I were the Academy, Nolan would have best director already. Killian Murphy would have best, best actor at this point. Uh, I'd probably give supporting to Robert Downey Jr. just for that role. Um, yeah. And I it, might, I would consider Emily Blunt for Best Actress too. 
because uh, she's fucking great. And I, and I'd give best cinematography to Hoyt Van Hoytum. Man. Oh yeah, this this movie's beautiful. Like yeah, he he's one of the best cinematographers working. Uh, he did. I don't know if you guys ever saw the sci-fi movie Ad Astra. I did. Yep. As I say, yeah. you really, really like that one. Obviously. He did Tenet, Dunkirk, I did. and I think Interstellar. Um, I don't think a lot of people liked Ad Astra. I felt like I was in a minority that actually enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it's one there, Ad Astra. I mean, I it loved was one it, of those like, movies I went yeah. to watch, and I was the only man in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because of Brad Pitt. It was a bunch of women, <laughs> or it was just empty. No, I was the only person. He was empty. I was doing Sadly, when I saw it too, but yeah, great sci fi movie yeah. that everyone should check out. Yep. Yeah, so I just, and I guess this is where, you know, as we go through this, I guess this is where I can talk about this. And I've mentioned it earlier, but my biggest, not as much as I like a lot of Nolan's movies, like I like you would make, Brendan would make a lot of his movies probably four out of fives on a five point scale if I were to do that. But I think my biggest problem with a lot of his work is that just the way he the way he writes his movies maybe or or just the way he the way he visualizes everything like to me there's no like emotional connections anywhere everybody feels like a Vulcan you know and for me like this was the first movie that he's ever done where I actually gave a shit about you know, and I enjoy a lot of the other stuff he's done as like filmmaking exercises almost. Um, and with this one, I actually found myself caring about Oppenheimer and his wife and the the side hoe and Robert Downey Jr. and all these characters because of how well acted this was and how you know the dialogue just moves through the entire friggin' thing like. We've mentioned it's three hours, and I didn't feel that at all. Like when it was over, I turned to a person. Not I went by myself, but I turned to a person who was like two seats away from me and said, "That's it. It's over already, really." And the guy was like, "Yeah, that was three hours. Are you kidding?" I said, "Didn't feel like it." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought for three hours it. it it flies by and it should be mentioned. Yeah. This isn't like other Nolan moves where there's like action. I mean, it is really just three hours of people talking. Essentially. Yeah, it's a performance um, piece. Even like the, uh, the actual Trinity test. I was surprised at how short it was. I mean, uh, I expect it to be like a much, yeah, how long, well like the was actual... executed. Like, I oh yeah. No, no, oh, super well executed. Yeah. Like, like the actual, like oh. length of time, them like detonate yeah. it. It takes up, I thought, it would be a lot longer. Um, really, yeah. I'd be curious to see like a combined runtime of like either the Trinity, t- like the actual bomb going off, and like you know when he's like picturing the bomb in his mind, how much time that takes up in the movie. I feel like it's max like five minutes. Yeah, like, well, and, most of it was ten. Yeah, you know? and you know, I, I get in the trailers why they you know edited it a lot to make it seem like it's a lot more you know to give more of like an action type vibe. Um, but yeah, I was surprised. I mean, this is like, which I'm surprised the box office drop off has been as, as good as it is because, you know, obviously, you know, people like us, I think will mostly like it, but you know, your average, you know, run of the mill yeah, person can go over their heads basically. Yeah. Or just like you know, God, not, three, three hours or, of people yeah. talking, you know, <laughs> I actually yeah. thought it was, and I mean, I had an audience that was probably, you know, it was mostly people my age, but there are a fair number of people that if I had to guess were probably in their twenties. 
Um, I thought it was presented. And I mean, thing with Nolan, sorry, interrupting, but thing with Nolan yeah. at this point right now is like he has enough of a following. Like you know, there's always gonna be people who are gonna go watch his. Movie oh yeah, out of he's place. one of the few star directors left. Yeah. Oh like, yeah, him and, and Tarantino. Like and there's always gonna be people who are gonna be like, dude, Nolan drops a new movie. Like we gonna see it. Like, yeah. You know? Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah, no, and I mean, I yeah, I found myself like actually giving a shit about the people in my first Nolan movie ever, and I was yeah. just like, wait, what? What's going on here? Yeah, it's, uh-huh. it's interesting. Um, people who don't like Nolan have always said, you know, no emotion. I don't care about the characters. Which, I mean, for me at least, I've never really felt that. Especially like the the no emotion. Like I I thought like it's interesting. Dunkirk, that is like the absolute. People who like his movies say it has like the most honest, earnest emotion in it. People who don't like his movies say it's like the least emotional of them all. So it's always interesting <laughs> to see that divide. Yeah, the, this, the, this the one I thought, you know, yeah. this one, I mean, I feel even if you don't like his movies, I mean, just seeing like Oppenheimer's like just internal, you know, like <sighs> struggles, I guess you could say with everything. Yep. Um, yeah. So I guess we can Here's an interest, and you know, I, we're not really, I don't think we're really approaching this movie chronologically, but here's a, something that I thought was kind of interesting. Like, one of the things that comes up, like, during the, during the hearing when he's trying to fight for the security clearance is like one of them, somebody in there, and I, I also want to credit Jason Clark in all the hearing scenes for how good he was in there. Um, oh, yeah, he was great. Yeah, and he's somebody that I've never, you know, he's been on a couple TV shows that I really liked him in, but as far as movie choices that he's made, like, I have not really been impressed with much that he's done on the big screen. I mean, the thing I keep coming back to was he was fucking Skynet and one of the shitty Terminators. Um, You know, but uh, he was great in all the hearing scenes uh, here. And one thing I thought was interesting was, like, um that I think at some point he gets criticized by the, the hearing panel of like, you know, a couple of years ago you were all for dropping this thing and now suddenly you're against it. And I, and it, you know, he never says it. I don't believe Oppenheimer ever says it in the course of the film, but I kind of read it as like, yeah, he was fine with it when it was all theoretical. And, and when you could see like the larger, what the larger like geopolitical purpose of doing it was, but then when you're actually confronted with like the amount yes. of death that it caused and all that stuff, which yes. I don't think they, which I don't think they really had any conception beforehand of what that was actually going to be. And then, you know, when he is confronted with that, he very much becomes like a, yeah, we shouldn't be doing that anymore. Well, yeah, um, I, I think John, like you're going after that. You're completely right. Um, like a, and I loved how they don't actually show Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which I think was such a good decision. I was hoping they wouldn't. Yeah, because uh, because you know, I, I, I guess if there's taken any, away from the movie, like absolutely. The and I feel tell. like you know, a lot of people, you know, and I would like to find it's mostly non-Japanese people. I've been like, oh, they should have showed it, blah blah blah. But like, as a lot of people, and especially I find Japanese people are pointing out, like, look, we don't need to like relive that trauma and like. IMAX HD, like let's let's not. And I loved how like they they do show 
um, where the scientists get to see the photos of Nagasaki and Hiroshima, but you never actually see the photos. And John, going off your point, the whole time Oppenheimer is literally like, he's not even looking at the screen. He's just like looking down as the people around him are, you know, just gasping at like, you know, just the awful carnage that that caused. Yeah. And I mean, I just, to me, it's, it's, you know, and people were acting like, I just wonder sometimes if like the people that were in this hearing had like never dealt with a scientist before, because this idea that a, that a really high minded scientist would be like all about the theoretical until the actuality of it is put in his face. Like that didn't, I, I felt like I was reading I felt like all these other people who are like interpreting this movie and not mentioning that were missing the point. Cause like, I just kind of felt like that was the point. Like he was all, he was all for it when it was theoretical and you could make the explanation of why in a geopolitical sense it had to happen. But once you are aware of what it actually does, like, why would you, why would you suddenly support that? And I do think you're right. It is a. It was a good choice to not show that, like the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombings. I don't think you could. I don't think no one wanted to glorify that. Like I have no idea what his thought process was. My guess is he didn't want to glorify that for one. And I would also bet that if you showed it, you're almost kind of like. I would almost think you're almost subtly kind of saying that Oppenheimer Oppenheimer condones it, which the point of the movie after that is that he does the opposite. So like, absolutely. And like the whole, like, you know, people, you know, the moral arguments and whatnot, people like, well, you know, this, does this movie, you know, glorify the atomic bomb? I think, you know, we we all saw the way, you know, the Trinity test was shot, you know, in a very cinematic way. I think if you had done that, you know, showing like a very cinematic bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, that would have been like, you know, People would have found that just too oh, people, people were going ape shit on that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Curry, well, why did he, they took away from the movie and whatever? But, well, let me uh, ask you. I don't. I don't really remember what the what the critical response to this movie no, was. But I think it's its best reviewed ever. Well, no, I was going to know that in reference to a different movie with a related topic. I don't remember people freaking out about Pearl Harbor in the same way. And well, you know, Pearl Harbor was that, pretty like badly reviewed but i think that's more just because people don't think it's a good movie really yeah which it's not yeah and um, uh pearl harbor did focus on other things so yeah. there well, you and, don't have and, the actual and John, atomic to bomb your point, a, you a lot really of have with... the 30 seconds over tokyo yeah right. like a whole different thing so but uh, and john like to your point um with pearl harbor i remember you know most people it's just you know they don't think it's a good movie you know but Dude, I have seen a lot of people i know it's bad but i love it don't like it because of the whole thing set against the backdrop of a you know a love story essentially and a lot of people yeah. give big crap for like yo come on like really you're turning this into some like beautiful like romance story like pearl harbor and you know kind of like to the point of that yeah, that was actually where I sort of objected to it too. But aside from its general awfulness, um, but yeah, I like mean, I said, I know it's bad, but I love everything about it. Now, me if I, I have not read American Prometheus yet, right? Which we talked about earlier. But I get the sense there's a lot of stuff with the with his wife that they chose not to do, um, because I did some. Without reading that book, I did some kind of research into him uh, in real life, 
And I guess his wife was actually a scientist in her own right. And she didn't really pursue a career in that because she was married to him and got roped into this project. And she became an alcoholic and didn't really want to be a parent. And they had like five kids. I mean, I don't know. I feel I get why I get why none of that stuff is in in there. Um, Although there are a bunch of scenes where Emily Blunt's constantly drinking and she doesn't really seem to like her children all that much. And uh, I think that's about as far as as far as Nolan was willing to go with that, because if you go too much into that, it almost becomes a different movie and becomes less about the, the stuff he wants to cover than and it just becomes like a rehab movie. Um, but I did feel like there was a lot, lot else they could have done there. But I think he was more interested in the, um, if, if he was interested in any of the guys relationships, I think he got more out of the Florence Pugh stuff than, or the Gene Tatlock yeah. stuff. Than the I, stuff I was surprised. Honestly, that stuff was in the movie. I, I figured they would like either gloss over it or just, it just wouldn't be in the movie period. Well, I think if you, I think if you, and I still think she's viewed this way, but I think if you kind of cast like the latest Hollywood it girl to be in this movie, you got to do something with it. Um, and clearly, you know, I remember we were talking, I was surprised when, you know, reading a little bit of stuff about this movie beforehand that they were actually going to have sex scenes between between Killian Murphy and Florence Pugh because he's never Nolan's never filmed stuff like that and I just didn't think he really had any interest in doing that and when I I cuz to me you couldn't go like and maybe I'm looking at then I don't want you know maybe I'm looking at the wrong like news aggregation websites or whatever but you couldn't go f- 5 minutes in the weeks leading up to this movie without seeing some kind of think piece about, you know, the fact that most of Florence Pugh's scene, she wasn't going to have clothes on. And it's like, okay, I'm trying to figure out how relevant this movie, this actually is. But, uh, you know, for as little of a role as it is, I also think she was pretty good. Um, did anybody think though, like what, what they show in the film is that she basically, she kills herself when uh, Oppenheimer basically chooses his wife over her, right? I think out of his own convenience more than anything else. Uh, and they showed a scene where, like, she was drowning in her bathtub or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Did anybody... Time. Okay. I I actually thought I saw, like... And maybe I... I assume this, or maybe the way it was edited, I thought this was going on, but I thought I saw like a hand holding her head down in the tub. Oh no, you you you're not crazy. You saw that. So, <laughs> so I thought yeah. you were supposed to believe that like the fucking CIA had her whacked because she would have run her mouth about what they were doing. <laughs> I mean, it's more like it's kind of like in his mind, like thinking, "Oh, maybe that happened." Um, oh, okay. And kind of like a lot of people have made this comparison, and I agree with it. Oliver Stone's JFK, this movie very much reminded me of that. I don't know if you, either of you guys have seen JFK, but um, yeah. just kind of like the whole, like, just the way it's done. Um, and, I, and I really like that movie. Um, so that helped. <laughs> I haven't seen it in years. I should go back and look at it again. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people are saying, you know, it reminded them of that. And, and I would definitely agree with that. Um, yeah. 
Uh, okay, so I'm not crazy. I thought I saw that as well. No, no, um, he was there. Okay, but in in reality, though, this is one, and like you said, Brennan, it's probably just you know it's what Oppenheimer thinks happened in his own head, right? Because in reality, I think I read somewhere that she hung herself. Um, I'm not so, sure. I'm not sure how she actually like did it. I think I read somewhere that they found that she actually hung herself. Um. But yeah, she was great for, I mean, she's in it a fair bit early on, but not, I mean, she's not, she doesn't have a huge role in it, but it's an, an important one and she's very good. Um, and I mean, to me, Downey Jr. almost, I, I was unclear what his actual job was at first. Like he, he seemed to work at Princeton and then he was, he was on the Atomic Energy Commission obviously and then at one point he was like he was obviously up for a cabinet position with uh truman and he basically loses that because he gets called out for essentially the way he sort of uh double-crossed oppenheimer to get the to get his security clearance taken out um and i mean to me downey jr was phenomenal Again, like it reminds me of, and I don't, I'm not one of those people who objects to him doing, you know, what, what has started to be derisively called cape shit. I certainly don't object to that stuff. I actually, I actually really like a lot of the stuff that he does there, but I mean, this reminded me of how good an actor he actually is outside of that. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, well, yeah, and going back to your, going back to your Oscar talk, like he's, he basically has like at this point the, Supporting male actor role in the oh yeah, bag. absolutely. I mean, I don't know what the rest of the field's gonna be, but unironically, un- the race right now is between him and Ryan Gosling as Ken. <laughs> really? Well, wouldn't yeah. wouldn't Ken, yeah. wouldn't Gosling be the leading man? Uh, he's, but... he, I I mean, I think he'd be supporting. Uh, I think that's what they. Yeah, but they the the whole thing's kind of weird because you can yeah. you can submit somebody for whatever one you want to. Really, there's yeah. no rules. Um, yeah, and then if you look at Barbie as a main character, then Ken as a supporting yeah. character, yeah, that, that kind of makes yep. sense. I really yep. liked how in the Strauss parts that, yeah, which are pretty much all in black and white, Oppenheimer is this almost like, there's a contrast between the color and like black and white segments and that in the color parts, Oppenheimer is this like, this grandiose kind of figure that's, you know, adored by all the scientists seen as this like god, basically. Well, in the black and white parts, he's like a, just like another tool in the political machine of the U.S. that's been basically cast aside, more or less. Yeah, um, once they got the what they wanted, yeah, the usefulness. Once they got what they knowledge. wanted out of him, they have no tolerance for him suddenly coming out against it either. Um, yeah, and I thought that thing toward the end when he met with with Truman uh, was pretty, you know, because he was he shows up there with legitimate concerns about like. Should we really be doing this? What are we doing? Uh, you might not want to continue this. And then, and then Truman's just like, "Hey, what are you acting like? You had anything to do with this? For I made this decision to drop these bombs. This is on me. You can get the fuck out of here." Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I was just yeah, because I, I mean, was, the way it's presented, you know, it's the president's call. Like he's yeah. the, he's the one who's going to be remembered as you know Truman dropped the bomb. 
it's Truman's bomb. Like, yeah, yeah he didn't right. make it. Everyone knows. And, he didn't and it, I don't know if in real life he called him, shit. you know, a crybaby. I doubt that <laughs> yeah. happened. But from everything I've read, that was, in a way, kind of Truman's, like, just attitude towards him. Like, yeah. Had, uh, I don't know, personify it or whatever. Um, yeah. No, I, I was, you know, that scene really, that scene did a lot for me. The hearing, the, the like, hearing stuff over the, uh, security clearance, like that stuff was just, and I kind of thought going into it, like, oh, you know, and knowing how much of the movie was left, like, is this going to be just going to be an hour of him sitting in a room, like, making arguments about whether he should have a security clearance or not? But the way all that stuff was performed was just, you know, I mean, Jason Clark's great in that. I mean, Killian Murphy just doesn't have an off minute in this movie, and he's in most of it. I mean, you know, and I, I remember him as like the scarecrow or whatever other ra- whatever yeah. other random roles he's had in Nolan movies. Well, like people have been joking, he's been working his way up in Nolan movies from like you know five minutes of screen time and this movie from whatever the first one was to supporting in Dunkirk to now the lead. <laughs> yep, and I mean he does actually kind of look like him too. Like I'm oh, sure yeah. they, oh yeah. yeah, like he is like in terms of just looking just like. Based on everything I've read, he nails what Oppenheimer was like. Yeah. Yep. And well, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure he studied. You know, he looked him up. Oh, he probably saw, did. I don't see any reason you know, why you wouldn't. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're playing yeah, a person. You might all, you know, play him. Yeah, especially somebody where there's, you know, a, probably a fair amount of stuff in the historical record that you can refer to. Like Exactly, yeah. Why, why wouldn't you if that resource is there, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, I can't even really think about, you know, and usually with with a movie of this length, a lot of times, uh, I don't, I generally don't object to longer films. Like, I have no problem seeing longer films, paying theater money for longer films, whatever. Um, but, you know, one of the things I will initially go through in my head after seeing something like that is, was there anything I would have maybe cut out of this to make this shorter like i can't think of anything like you know i people could people could argue you know the strauss like hearing you know yeah i mean it's not yes it's part of oppenheimer's story but not like his story of making the bomb per se Um, yeah and then yeah but once you start dealing with the hearing itself it's like it's really important like i wouldn't cut it out just because no, I, I add, that out, yeah. no, yeah, because it just cut, adds a certain depth to the movie that you wouldn't get otherwise. Because nah. I think there's especially, a certain amount, especially of... once Remy Malik's character shows up and adds, like you know, yeah, he was the one I was surprised by that he showed up because it was such a, it was such a small role that I'm surprised they didn't get somebody. And not that he's a huge deal, but I mean he does have an Oscar, but um. I kind of thought they would get somebody uh, less high profile than him to do a five minute speech. Um, I don't know, man. If if Nolan calls you up and he's like, "Hey, I got a cameo for you true. my movie. You up for it?" I don't think you say Damon, no. <laughs> Damon was the Damon was the one who said he was planning on taking a year off from acting until uh, Nolan called him and offered him the general role. Uh, yeah. I suppose we should talk about him a little bit too. We haven't really mentioned anything having to do with him. Uh, he's so good. Far. 
Uh, yeah, I no, I thought I thought he was excellent. Um, it's kind of a, I mean, it's kind of a thankless role in a way because he doesn't really, you know, he's he's just kind of as good as he is. He's just kind of like towing the military line the whole time, and you don't really get a lot of, um, you know, he's just kind of always in the same position, like he's just trying to ride herd on all of it, and that and that seems to work for him, and he's really good at it. And you know, some of the back and forths with Killian Murphy are pretty fun. Um, but you know, he kind of stays in the same lane performance wise the entire time and you don't really get a lot of variance, but he does it really well. Um, so I also wouldn't be shocked if you heard some, uh, Oscar talk for him somewhere, maybe, um, You know, and I know he has the writing one for for Goodwill Hunting and stuff, but I do think he's past due for uh, for an acting award. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think he has a nomination for air. Honestly, yeah, that one might be the one. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's very Cause true. He's, yeah, because he's great in that too. Um, yeah, this has been a good year for him, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think from an acting standpoint, this is like. Probably Nolan's best film. I feel like everyone here is like, oh yeah, Every, oh yeah. Everyone here is absolutely. Oh, yeah. Everybody's on, oh yeah. I mean, man. Now like, I had Murphy. trouble. I had trouble understanding the the relationship with his wife because, like, why why does she stay with this guy? I don't really get it. Because, like, well, clearly, like, even you like read like American Prometheus, and you're like. Uh, I mean, they they definitely had just a very unique relationship. Um, yeah, Grant, very two very unique people. So I just never really understood it because, like, and there and, and it was kind of weird because there were like, anytime you see her without him, he's she's kind of miserable because, like, she clearly doesn't like having kids. And I honestly she, thought it was for the kids. Yeah. And she's just kind of a housewife. But then um, at the same time, they kind of did dump youngest one. Yeah, they took the their youngest for, one and like they took their youngest one and just kind of gave him to a friend of theirs or something and said yeah. like, "Can you just can you just watch this? You know, a you like raise this kid for us for a while." Um, yeah. like, oh, of course. Yeah. Like, and then yeah, I was kind of con- nuts. I don't know what is. I was kind of confused during the. Like during the the uh, security clearance hearing stuff, where they had the scenes where she where they were in like a conference room with him and the and her and the lawyers and stuff, and she was they figured out that Robert and I think they already knew it that the that the Strauss character was behind all this shit, and she's like yelling at him like, "Why are you just taking this from him? Like, why would she care that much?" Because it just didn't seem well, to I mean, me like. It's her husband. I mean, not, yeah, I guess it just—it didn't seem to me that like, you, well, like was, you said, there was they a had moment a in the movie where like she kind of she makes she jumps up at him as well, and she's like, "Stop relying on this guy. Stop relying on that guy." Like, yeah. I don't know and, time in the process of making of the bomb that was, but it's like you're the guy who's kind of running the show. Like, just the, the scene the where Jason Clark tries to like interrogate her is so good. Oh, she yeah. just, like shuts his ass down. <laughs> yep. Oh, she yeah, she's great in that scene. You she can tell he, he thinks he's, Oh yeah. Cuz he thinks he's just going to just completely roll over her, you know. 
Yep. Well, he pro- he's like, probably oh. thinking she's like the little woman that's just gonna, you know, yep. cower in the corner. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Because and... he's she's the only witness that he like intentionally like moves closer to to like you know try to intimidate or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the one not take it. who chews out. Yep. Yeah, that, that scene was just. Yeah, no, she's fantastic Great. in that scene and pretty much everywhere else, just like we've been saying about everyone else here. Oh yeah. Um, no, everybody yeah. definitely brought their game. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I hate to sound like a, you know, the term we use a lot of times is chill and whatever, but I, I just can't. Like, I mean, could this be a little shorter? Sure. Could, could they maybe focus on some yeah, other? Would things? you want it to? No, I wouldn't. Could they maybe, could they maybe focus on some other things a little differently? Maybe, but like, I can't really find a lot of flaws with this. Yeah, um, I mean, like I said, my my flaws are which brought it down to a four, probably like a four out of five for me. I think the editing in the first hour, I just not that great. And then even after that, it, it's mostly fine. But there are some things where I'm like, ah, didn't really like that. And I I guess I'm a little bit in the minority on this since a lot of people are saying it's the film's like one of the best things. The score. Uh, it's good, but I think at times it's utilized poorly, if that makes sense. Like, uh, for example, the first scene where he is talking to Einstein, as that conversation ends, it is just, like, blaring music over this, like, you know, conversation where they're just, you know, talking like we are. And I'm like, oh, for me, it didn't work in terms of, like, what, why is this, like, so, like, bombastic here and whatnot? Um, I think yeah. when you look at it, there's there was, like, every scene... It's almost treated like a climax or something. It's like, it's almost, you know, that's how the score went for me. There's areas of it, but it's like he clearly hears, like, when he's in a, uh, in the classroom and stuff, and, like, he can clearly he- hear music in his head. Like, those, that's, those places, like, that stuff were great for me. But certain areas, yeah. it was like the music was utilized in a way almost every scene was a climax of something like right. something was bombastic was about to happen and then it kind of didn't and then it's like almost took away from the score yeah i get i tend not to i mean yeah you're right there were some moments where it was pretty but i really didn't amazing. mind like but i still went I, with it and it's like still worked all that much yeah um i'm trying to think is there anything else we can we can do here. Uh, yeah, I mean, I even liked like some of the little, you know, the the smaller roles. Like Kenneth Branagh shows up as Niels Bohr um, for like he's in like one scene, I think. Uh, oh, too. I mean, he's early on. And oh, the does guy he show up early? The... Yeah, when he yeah, he does. Okay. Uh, during his I just studies, the in... one. Cambridge of Oxford, or wherever he was. Right. I just yeah. remember the one, uh, the one toward the end. Even like, and I forget who this person was playing, but I had no clue. Fucking Jack Quaid was in this movie. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> he shows up at one point. I was like, is he just everywhere right now? I mean, between the <laughs> Star Trek show and the boys and the Superman thing on Adult Swim or whatever, is he just everywhere? Yeah, yeah, he like, shows up. Run. Well, apparently he's not showing up to the Vegas con, uh, which pissed uh, a lot of people off. <laughs> strike? No, he. Well, he had. Well, he never said why he wasn't. But uh, so the a lot of actors are canceling appearances yeah. right now. Yeah, but the the company that 
the company that runs it made a big deal about him, his announcement, because he was like the hundredth guest or whatever. And then a couple days ago, they were like, yeah, he's not showing up. I was like, ah, damn it. Um, I mean, but, even the guy who who's playing Hasenberg, uh, the, oh, the guy from the Army of the Dead, Army of Thieves. Oh, okay. I thought that guy looked familiar. Yeah. I don't think I got yeah, to he, Army, he was in both Army of the Dead. Okay, yeah. He uh, looked he familiar. From, he looked familiar from something. It must have been Army of the Dead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, cool. Yeah, I mean, I was just thoroughly impressed by this thing. I'm really glad I made the effort to go, you know, because I, I was kind of going even, back. Uh, even, I have to mention it, I have to mention, even Josh Hartnett, Hartnett playing oh. uh, Lawrence. Yeah, you know? he was good, too. And Josh um, Peck from Drake and Josh. <laughs> yep. Uh, I'm really glad I made the effort to go see this one in the theater, because I had been kind of going back and forth, like, you know, we have a big TV in my living room, and I was just kind of like, you know, it's a talking movie. Do I really need to go and sit in a the theater for three, four hours and see this? And I decided to do it last weekend, and I'm really happy I did. Uh, yeah, um, I totally agree. I mean, over the years, I've become more into, like, I just, given the choice, I will literally always choose to see a movie, like, in a movie theater personally. Um, because I especially I like to go during the week where there's like no people generally. Yeah, and I just yeah, uh, I just movies like this are like why I really like movies, even if it's not like you know one of my favorite movies ever. Just seeing like a real filmmaker like Nolan actually like do it is just like so satisfying to watch for me. And like kind of yeah, like I was yeah. saying earlier, like just the fact that he filmed this on actual film, whereas. Ninety nine point nine nine percent. Nobody does anymore. Are filmed on digital, and I mean, and obviously, you know, unless you see it in film, it's projected digitally. But just I don't know about you guys, especially these days, whenever a movie shot on film, it is so obvious to me. Like just the grain, and just it's one of those things. Like you know, it's like people say, like for some reason, analog just still looks. I don't know how else to yeah. explain it other than that. Just like yeah. I'm trying to remember, I, I saw something recently. I can't remember what it was that like felt like it had all that shit in it artificially because it was clearly a, a you know every. I think every theater in my area does digital projection. I don't think there's anywhere that still shows film. Yeah. They would like advertise it as if they were doing. Yeah, you know, and I saw yeah. something. I saw something recently. I feel like it must have been some kind of period movie, and we might have even talked about it, but I can't remember what it was. Um, where I felt like there were like the film burns in it constantly, and just that same sort of thing. And this, uh, and I'm never like I, as much as I enjoy going to movies and seeing movies and stuff, I've never really thought that much about the the projection medium either. And I can see your point about why this this would benefit from that. Uh, um, I, f- I fully think the reason why, at least not, it's not the main reason, but a partial reason why theaters are less, you know, making less money is because they do not project things in the best format available, which is film. Like, um, John, you've probably seen the most out of all of us since, you know, you're the oldest, you know, up until the I'm 2000s. Almost 50. Yeah, yeah. Up until the 2000s, pretty much every theater showed things on 35 millimeter. And I mean, yep. I've seen, I've started keeping track now since I got Letterboxd of every movie I see on film since it's, you know, I mostly have to drive to LA to do it. I mean, man, like, for example, I watched Tron Legacy at Tarantino's Theater, which only, only shows things on film. 
And, you know, I had seen it in a regular theater before seeing it on my TV. Wow. The 35 millimeter print of it, which uh, was from the Disney vault, looked just I'll, I'll never see the movie and it look better than that. You know, what, oh, that's that awesome. Um, yeah, like, I will uh, say like I I have stories about you know I I can tell I can tell you two off the top of my head like I remember going to um, this would have been summer of ninety four uh, or yeah summer of summer of ninety four okay my best friend and I go and see and this is a projector thing like a projector story a projector story more than like seeing something on film story and you would never have this now but we went to see uh the double dragon movie with scott wolf oh. out of out of boredom one summer weekend and the uh at one point the projector went upside down and backwards and burned a hole in the film and they gave us a uh like a credit to go back whenever we wanted for something else we held on to that credit for like six months to go to a preview showing of star trek generations in the fall um yeah (laughs) and then the other i'm trying to remember what the other one was i did have oh uh when the phantom menace came out in 99 and you again you would never have this now but i remember uh my friends and i went my college friends and i went and saw it after it had been in theaters for probably three or four months and we were still you know, we were the the proto case for those people that were trying to convince themselves it's actually good when we knew it wasn't. Um, and we went and saw it after it had been in theaters for like three or four months, and the print was so beat up. Oh yeah. There was a, there was at least like I think there was a good like ten minutes missing that they would hope you wouldn't notice that they just kind of cut around because we'd seen it we'd seen it enough times where we turned to each other at one point. Because there was like a major scene missing, and we were like, "Wait, wasn't that supposed to be where that thing was?" And it just kind of keeps going. And, and you would never; these are things you would never have now. With yeah. like, and let me ask, why did all these theaters go over to this? Is digital somehow cheaper? Oh yeah, well, I mean, from my understanding, if you were a big movie like a a blockbuster like Phantom Menace, if you wanted to make, because you know, say a theater has twenty screens, you need twenty film prints. If it's showing right. every screen, it costs about seven million dollars to make enough film prints for the entire country to have. That's my understanding. Oh, okay. Which it's plus, digital. well, and, and, and even more than that, shooting in digital is a lot cheaper. Like right, because yeah, yeah. you're right. Like a uh, last year, I got to see a uh, uh, they did a Tobe Hooper triple feature at the New Beverly Cinema, and the Texas Chainsaw print looked amazing. It was like they had because that movie came out in the 70s but this has been like a a reprint they made in the 90s and it's only been shown like they keep it in good condition you know because i know theaters back in the day you know oh we've got 20 prints who cares how we store them and whatnot um but they showed an original print of the other movie from like the 70s that was the you know showing up a jillion times in theaters and it, it, it was like someone had poured gatorade on the whole movie you know it was so red um but yeah like film prints that are actually preserved like should theoretically last you i basically forever assuming you you know don't maintain them well enough like i know that with this movie it's being shown on imax and 70 millimeter at the same time and i i do plan to see it in that format like uh and just from my understanding the only two movies like this like century that were entirely shot on 70 millimeter which so which is like 
you know, shooting on 35 millimeter, which for people that don't know, that's what basically every movie was shot on but until they went to digital. 70 was like, you know, if you were had a shit ton of money, you could afford to shoot on, you know, the very big and bulky 70, like movies like uh, Ben-Hur, uh, Patton, like the, the big, you know, spectacle movies used to be shot on that. But this right. century, I think it's only Dunkirk and Tarantino's The Hateful Eight are the only movies entirely shot on 70. And uh, huh. I remember I got to see The Hateful Eight and Dunkirk both on 70, and wow, they look just mind-blowing. Oh, like, that's uh, awesome. And just the just, uh, last thing I'll say about film, my friend had never seen a Tarantino movie before last year, and every Friday at his theater, he shows one of his movies. And it's it's always his personal print that they play, so it, you know the movies look just like godly. Oh, and yeah. that's fantastic! I, I'm like, dude, you are so lucky. You are getting to experience every Tarantino movie in like the, the most like time, the ideal setting, like yeah. possible. And like we we both, I even took a couple friends to this one. Like the his all of his prints look great, but holy crap, his Jackie Brown print is like. I'm assuming when they make like the the DVDs in 4Ks, they must strike it from this one because it is like perfect, literally perfect. Oh, that's cool. How often do you go to the New Beverly? You think? Uh, I mean, I usually go when I visit my grandma. So once or twice a month, I'll you know go up to LA and I'll just see whatever. It's the New Beverly, Los Feliz, and the Aero Theater. They're the three ones that mainly show stuff on 35, and the Aero can show stuff on 70. I got to see actually. Once upon a time in Hollywood, I didn't even know there were seventy millimeter prints of it. Yeah, it's interesting to compare because the movie, I would say, does look different on seventy compared to thirty-five. There are just some, like the colors come off. I, I feel a lot different in some scenes. Sometimes for the better, sometimes you know not for the better. But yeah, like yep. I feel, I feel so bad because a lot of people my age, you know, they either have never seen a movie on on film or are just you know we're too young to remember the last time. And I always tell people like. Seriously, try to find your favorite movie on 35 millimeter showing somewhere. It will blow your mind how much better yep. analog looks than digital. Like it is, like it's one of the most noticeable things ever. Like just, yeah, yeah. Just it's the, probably been a it's probably been yeah, a long I, time. I remember but... when we were kids, we'd go when mom would take us and stuff. We watch yeah. stuff on film all the time. Yeah, it, it just has that like, hard to, like, like it looks whatever. better, and it just has that like warmth and like realism to it, like where digital looks a yeah. bit like manufactured. Like, yeah, like, just film grain just makes things look. I, for, it's one of those things no one can really put into words why, but people just prefer that aesthetic. Yeah, it looks just more yeah. warmth and real. Yeah, yeah. As far as those like boutique theater kind of things, that's kind of what I consider the New Beverly to be, even though I've, I've never been there, but that's just kind of my reading of it. I've, I'm a fan of the... Um, I've been to the Alamo Draft House a couple times, because... Yeah, they're similar. Tim lives in Texas, so uh, whenever... And he's got a... There's a couple, and he lives in San Antonio, and there's a couple there, so we've been we've been there yeah, a couple times. really nice. I yeah, always say, and, you know, when, when, hey, when we do the big B-team meetup in LA, I'll pay for everyone and treat us all to the New Beverly. <laughs> You know, I uh, if we had we went out for that Star Trek cruise and we left from L.A. Oh, and really? we didn't. I I was gonna contact you, but we that thing ended up being a nightmare. We got off the boat in Mexico, so we never went. So we never went back there. But I was gonna contact you because we were gonna be in L.A. for a couple days after after the boat stopped. Um, but hey, we yeah, ended up not doing that. Anyone's ever in L.A., reach out. Uh, I'm always game to see it. 
a movie at one of the nice theaters. Oh yeah, that sounds like fun. We'll have to do that someday. Um, we might, we will have. Uh, I think we're pretty much done with this movie, right? I mean, yeah, unless there's uh, something up. Great, yeah. great movie. Um, everyone should see it. I think. I mean, unless you're like, you know, aside from kids, I think everyone will enjoy it. Personally. Yeah. Milos, you were fairly Justin. quiet. During, you were fa- you were fairly quiet during this. What do, I mean, what are your general I, I thoughts? Just, I was just enjoying you guys going back and forth. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. And I'm going to say uh, the scene of the actual Trinity testing is probably my favorite scene that I saw on screen this, this year. Oh, it's amazing. Like, it just blew me away. The way that was done. Like I was like I leaned forward, my mouth was open a little bit. I was like I was just in awe. Yeah, I like, like how introspective uh, it gets with Oppenheimer. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just I, I can't again I saw it I said at the beginning, I don't think Nolan made a bad movie and this one definitely isn't one of them. Like he's just amazing, definitely oh. worth watching. I enjoy yep. it from top to bottom. Yeah, this is this is my number one of the year, and I I have a hard time seeing it being moved, just because you know unless unless something else in the in the fall Oscar bait stuff actually, and who knows if they're even gonna do the Oscars this year. So yeah, yeah lots of yeah. pushback, but I mean for me, I mean obviously I, you know, I'm always hoping every movie's good, but uh, just if I had to guess, I mean Scorsese is coming out with something and. There's a oh, that I will never Killers of the Flower Moon thing? Yeah. 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 I read the book. I'm curious. I want to read the book. It's very good. Yeah. It's, and it's not as long as American Prometheus. You can probably get through it pretty quickly. Um, and I think that's going to be released on Apple TV over here. Um, I've seen ads for it on there anyway. Um, I don't know if they plan on giving it a theatrical run for us. Probably going to have something just for Oscar bait purposes, but um, I'll probably watch it on Apple when it gets to that. Uh, yeah. And as far as um, other things we have coming up, I mean, we've done some, we've recorded some Star Trek reviews, which we were pretty far behind on, but those were fun. We had a good time with those the other day. Um, oh, one more thing about Oppenheimer. You had mentioned Justin before Milos. I would support a full podcast of <laughs> just somehow getting audio of him in a theater trying to watch this movie and, you know, no offense to him. I would, but we, I, would, I would think bets at one point, does he fall asleep? No offense to him, but, you know, we, we know he doesn't like long movies that much. I bet he makes it half an hour and then the rest of it would just be him snoring. And I would... I would fucking love that. I would so run that as a show if we could get him to do that. <laughs> Three hours and two and a half of it just seems normal. He was a couple weeks ago. He was uh, saying in the Discord chat that we use. He was like, "Yeah, my girlfriend wants to see Oppenheimer. I'm hoping she either will forget about that or decide not to when she realizes it's three hours long." Because I don't really think he wanted to sit through that. Um, oh, he definitely didn't. But yeah, I mean, he's so, missing out. But hey, no, I mean, maybe, maybe you'll get, maybe it'll, it'll be easier for him. Like if, you, if you watch it at home, he can pause it and stuff and whatever else. Um, it is a good movie. I would recommend it for anybody who's willing to sit through it. Um, yeah. So as far as other things, we're we recorded a couple Star Trek reviews. Those aren't haven't been released yet. We're continuing with the Farscape reviews. Although we're gonna have to start. Uh, recording those again soon, so I hope Brent's around at some point. 
Um, we also need to, and God, I can't even remember when we did one of these last. We need to get, we need to finish the fucking Lord of the Rings, or he's gonna kill us. Um, oh yeah, we probably should. Yeah. Uh, also, I mean, we will, and I don't know whether we'll actually get uh, show content out of this until later. There is going to be a another B team meetup in Vegas because Spencer's going to be at that convention, so I'm sure we'll run into each other there. We have a lot of mutual friends, and I think there's at least one event there that we're going to be at together. So we'll at least have that. Uh, I would expect we'll probably at least post pictures, maybe, but I don't know that we'll get like show content out of it. Um, I'm planning on going to Blue Beetle in a couple weeks, just out of curiosity, if nothing else. Um, oh, I'm actually looking forward to that one. Yeah, I think it could be good. I just don't know that anybody cares. Um, because I don't know that anybody I think, cares. I about think it. that's the reason why it can be it can do good, just because nobody expecting anything out of it. Given the opening weekend predictions, I think you might be right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's yeah, the, exactly. what's the... But you never know, and it's like what he's playing against. Right, it's but Bobby I mean... and Oppenheimer. You know? Yeah, but right I mean, now, I mean, there is a chance Beetle could open so, you know? no ten million, which would be unreal. Yeah, I mean, what's the the well, upward the thing? I don't think at this point DC expects to make any off of it. Uh, yeah, but why like, release it, it then? Make any. Yeah, I'm curious. Like, it's just gonna be just a total box office embarrassment. I know. I just you know, especially since I mean, it was honestly, they can probably put it on max. Right, but, but that like, was honestly one. at the same time. I kind of do want to see it on big screen. Yeah, I guess my. I, I guess my, uh, that there's gonna be enough people curious about it, where they're gonna go want to see it. I guess my conundrum with it is like they originally intended it for Max, and then decided it was better than that. Yeah, and well, it's because David Zaslav watched it and thought it was so good it should be theatrical. Grant, this is the same person who was who thinks Flash is one of the greatest comic book movies ever made and put oh, extra God. like what was it like fifty an extra fifty million in marketing because he was so convinced it was gonna be a billion dollar hit. <laughs> yeah, and you didn't make your budget back on that one there, did you? Yeah, far, but I'm I'm far, guessing far, Google far. has a lot 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 smaller budget. Oh and yeah. I'm gonna and honestly the kid uh, who play who plays Jaime Reyes it, it's the guy who plays Miguel, I think, in, uh, in yeah, uh, somebody Cobra, Kai. Cobra Kai, right? Okay. Yeah, and he's yeah, like, I, he has that. enough. Of, uh, I don't know. I think he's charismatic enough to pull it off. Yeah, it's cool. Again, I'm... I mean, if I if I had to draw a comparison, I'd probably compare it to what well, Guardians of the Galaxy were to Marvel. Yeah, maybe I think it could maybe be that. fails, but maybe it succeeds. You know. And if it succeeds, probably gonna yeah. be like out of nowhere. Now, Especially looking would, at box office uh, failures that DC put out recently. Yep. And here's my right here's now. my last here's here's my last old man rant for the night. Right. I think the biggest problem with like some of these, you know, and granted, you know, people have tastes, whatever they want to do. I'm not like I'm not gonna get up on my old man chair and like berate the vast majority of the movie going public or whatever. I think the fact that all of these box office projections are public knowledge weeks before something comes out is death to questionable movies. Because like yeah. the projections yeah. for blue the projections for Blue Beetle are an opening weekend of like twelve to seventeen, which for a 
comic book movie at this point with what these studios spend on those movies, that in itself is death. But then if you're publicizing that beforehand, like I would think the average approach to an audience member is like, oh, that means it's bad. I don't need to go. Yep, right. Oh, I completely agree. Like you, you can build there's gonna be plenty of people. There's yep. gonna be plenty of people who are gonna look at it and be like, "Yeah, if they're expecting that little money, it must not be yeah. good." But well, then again, the, the opposite can happen too. Like, look at Oppenheimer. It was only projected yeah. to open to like thirty million people. Were thinking, "Holy crap, no one's about to have like a bomb." Uh, but then. Everyone's saying, holy shit, this movie's incredible. The Barbie stuff, and didn't it open to like 90 million? Something crazy 80, like 82. that? Wow. Yeah. And actually, I had another example of this that I think I mentioned on another show, but we, um, the weekend that Flash opened, we went to the, that Pixar movie was out at the same time. Like that Pixar movie opened mm-hmm. like the week the week before. And we just happened to go the second weekend. Um, and we were in the theater lobby. And this was the the second day that Flash was out, right? And somebody walked past us and they were talking about the Flash. And they were and and the people were the two people talking were like, Are you gonna go to that? Oh no, it only made X, so it's a piece of shit. And it was just like but it's only been out for like a day. How do you know that? <laughs> you know, like, and I think, and I think that's, and it was, I, and I'm not trying to defend it. That movie was a piece of shit, but I just think the, the fact that these uh, projections yeah, are, projections so, out. Yeah. yeah, the, the fact of, that the projections like, are, the same are thing so, with rotten tomatoes, people like, Oh, it's rotten tomatoes covers like, Thirty percent. I'm not. It's crap. I'm not gonna. Yeah, but see that it. I can at least. That I can at least see. You have to do some work to get that, at least. And a lot of people yeah, do. But again, I, I mentioned in Discord, like I never gave any, paid any attention to. Yeah, I just go by what looks interesting to me. I don't care what some critic yeah, thinks. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Most critics. I think most it's gonna be interesting. I'm gonna go see it. Most critics hate the kind of stuff I enjoy anyway. So, like, I've never put yeah. much stuff beyond. I, think I mentioned before, anyway. I had a friend, like, he's in Texas now. And it's like, if he showed up and he said, Man, I watched this movie and it sucks. For me, that was like, Dude, you got to go see it. Just because yeah. our opinions on, like, most movies were so vastly different. And for him, something that was bad for him, I would probably enjoy it. Like, yeah. for probably 95% of the movies that he couldn't stand, I absolutely enjoyed. Just because yeah. our tastes were so different. So it's like you can't it's really judge off on anything. And yeah. it's like it's then you up, I was like, this movie's only gonna make fifteen billion fifteen million the first week out. It's like, dude, like you're basically putting yourself in a hole before the movie even came out. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, isn't coming out for like two or three weeks and you already know projections for it. Like you already think you know, okay, like but, it's based off yeah. of sales or pre sales or whatever. And it's like, it just makes no sense to me. Uh, yeah, it has never made sense to me either. Like, I would think if you're a studio, you don't want that shit getting out. Well, Simon Studios yeah. really putting out. It's just, I mean, people are just able to see, you know, based on ticket sales, online traffic, you know. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, in Europe, mo- I think most of the places in Europe, you can't pre-buy tickets. Like Blue well, I, mean, Beetle, that, I don't know why, how many, you that's know. That's why it pretty much only exists for North American tracking. Yeah. And yeah. then it's like you always get surprised with domestic, whatever it makes. Uh, I mean, worldwide, 
whatever he may pull us in because it's like, oh, like I didn't see. Yeah, the reason why you didn't see that because nobody in the worldwide sector actually can pre-buy tickets. So there's no projections of what it's going to make for worldwide because you can't. Pro- you have no data to project it off of. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that that was only something that could be done in North America. Huh. Yeah, like, I think maybe UK or France do it, but it's like, that's about it. Like for, for most of the worldwide sector, like we don't, pre, you can't pre-buy tickets. Huh. A couple of countries and that's it. That's why you never held, have the, well, the, the international projections because nobody knows. You, you, you don't have any data. And that's why it's right. always like, then they oh, surprisingly made 100 million. Yeah, like it's not surprisingly people want to see it. They yep. thought it was interesting. They wanted to see it. You just didn't have any data because they can't pre-buy tickets. You only do that for yep. North America, and it's like, you know? Yep. Again, film never ep- made sense to me. Film I'm, economics. I'm that from the beginning. Yep. Film ep- economics with the B team, ladies and gentlemen. We might as well close on that. Uh, guys, thank you for joining <laughs> well, me. This I was a great did, I think we did say on the Star Trek show that we're going to be tackling world peace next. So, hey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, somebody's got to tag us in for that. And, uh, <laughs> Although we would have very, we would have very uh, differing views on a lot of that stuff. I think I'm not sure we would get much of anywhere. Um, but uh, and also, this is a show I wouldn't want to do without Josh. Sorry. No, no, that <laughs> that would be half the fun of it. I think so. Uh, yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for joining me for this. This will be my last uh, show until yeah. we come back from until we come back from Vegas. But that's only about a week. So, and you'll still be hearing stuff that that we were all on. So it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. Okay. Let me know he's gone. Yep. Have a good night, boys. Yeah. Peace.